Good morning, church. Our scripture reading for this morning is John chapter 3. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 1. We'll begin reading verse 1. There was a man of Pharisee, Nicodemus, ruler of the, of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for, not, for no man can do this miracle that thou doest, except God be with you. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old and he ended the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, but, sorry, born of water, and so the spirit of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and, uh, and that is which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye be born again, that the wind bloweth when it uh, Listed and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot, but can not tell where it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. The economist answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said, Unto him, art thou a master of Israel, and knoweth not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know not, testify that we have seen, and ye receive, receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe Believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of the heavenly things? Verse 13, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that, cometh, he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Good morning, church. I, for some reason, I have um, what you call butterflies. I try to push it away. I try to ignore it, but they keep 
keep flattering. <laughs> All right. Um, two weeks ago, I preached on the compassion of God. How that God, in his compassion, came and gave himself for us. All right? Knowing that we could not, in our own strength, go to him. So that was, that was the basic message on, um, on the previous Sunday. So I want to just tag on that message this morning as we go back to the initial conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. Because we know that this conversation led up to John 3.16, right? What we saw on that, uh, two weeks ago is because of the conversation that we're going to see this morning. It is always an honor and a privilege to preach in Pastor Matt's pulpit. I will always say this, and I will say it over and over again, because this is Pastor's pulpit, and you are his shipship. I'm one of you, all right? So for me to come and study and preach, it's an honor. Um, and so with that honor, I must always guard what I say. I could offend you. I could chase you. I could do anything to you. I could say stuff that might do harm to the ship ship that God placed in his care. That is the sobriety I have when I stand here to speak to you. And equal to that should be the audience sobriety to the words of God coming from the Bible. So we should equally tune our hearts to be careful to listen to the voice of God speaking to us. I am just a messenger. It's not me, it's Christ. I want you to hear his voice. That evening when Nicodemus came to Jesus and the questions that he put out, I want us to look at those questions and answer some questions coming from his thoughts. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. That's him. He was a Pharisee. He was a ruler of the Jews, possibly one of the 70 of the Sanhedrin. The 70 that rules the entire nation with the theology and the politics that they have. Possibly he was one of them. The scripture doesn't mention, but scripture says that he's a Pharisee, he's the ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. And he had questions. I want us to start this morning with the question in verse 9. The question in verse 9 reads, how can these things be? Great question, Nicodemus. Nicodemus, that's a great question. 
How can these things be? Because in verse 3, verse 5, and verse 7, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. And in John 3, 16, we saw last two weeks ago, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How do we connect? You must be born again to John 3, 16. You shall have everlasting life. How can we connect it? How can these things be? Great question. Nicodemus, Jesus will answer him in this, in this, in this, in this way. You or no man come from heaven but me. So I'm going to tell you the things that I know that God requires of you to be in his kingdom. I am God, you are not. Therefore, I require you to be born again. How can these things be? The three things that I want us to see this morning with a sermon titled, You Must Be Born Again. You must be born again. You must be born again. Three things. One is, this is God's accepted way. Verse 1 to 3. And two is, this is the explanation in verses 5 to 7. And three is, this is how God works in verse 8. So in this passage, I will just treat verses 1 to 8 and serve that for us so that we can see that as a basis to understanding what is happening in John chapter 3. So on the first, first note is, this is God's accepted way. So Jesus is there. John, um, Nicodemus comes in the night. And he says a couple of things. He says, Rabbi, we know, okay? We know. Rabbi, master, when he's calling him Rabbi, he's automatically putting Jesus with himself. You're one of the teachers, I am one of the teachers. Rabbi. Rabbi, we know, okay? We, me, and maybe those that he came with, or maybe those that he represents, okay? Maybe the 70 that he represents, or a few of them in the 70, but he represents some people. So he's saying, we, we know that thou art a teacher, but catch this, come from God. We know you're a teacher, but you come from God, for the reason. The reason why he knows he comes from God is for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Interesting. Interesting because the Bible doesn't give a salutation. Okay. Nicodemus didn't come and say, excuse me, I, can I speak to you? I am Nicodemus. I'm Nico from Jerusalem. And he didn't give a salutation. Nicodemus comes in straight, bang, he gives his thoughts. He says, we know that your teacher comes from God, and we know that no one can do these miracles except God be with him. You know what Nicodemus represents? He comes to Jesus with a preconceived mind. All right? He comes to Jesus with a preconceived idea. See, he comes to Jesus with a worldview. A view that he has already 
made up and he had already understood and he had already learned and now he is bringing that out in his conversation. There are about seven, six, seven different worldviews. And this, everyone in the world, that's about 2021, that's about 7.888 billion people in the world. And just recently, the number, number went up to 8 billion people. Okay, that's from the U.S. Census Bureau. And the, the number of people, the 7.8 billion people, all of us have a preconceived idea of who Jesus is among us. All of us. No one is away or apart from these worldviews. We have seven different worldviews, and we come to Jesus with those ideologies. We have the postmodernism worldview. The postmodernism or the, or the leftist, that's about two million people there. We have the cosmic humanism or the new age worldview, one billion people. We have the Marxist or the Leninism, or you could call them communist people. That's about 1.5 billion people. And then we have the liberal, the secular humanism, 500 million of them in the world. Then we have the Muslims or the Islams, 1.57 billion people in the world. And then we have the Jews, about 1.5 billion people in the world. And then we have Christianity, 2.1 billion people in the world. A total of 8 billion people represent either one of these seven different ideologies. All right? No one is exempt. So when we come to Christ, we come to Christ with any or either one of these seven ideologies, or maybe a mixture of some. We have a preconceived notion of who Jesus is. So this guy comes to Jesus with an ideology. We know you come from God. We know you are God's chosen, God's son. He probably read about the Messiah coming. He bases his words on the miracles that Jesus did. We know because of the miracles, all right? Now, when he, when he says the miracles, he has probably seen what Jesus can do. Therefore, he comes to Jesus with this. Look at verse 3, because that strikes me. Jesus, by his reply, should have replied based on what Nicodemus came and talked about, right? Jesus could have spoken about, that's, that's conversation, right? When you come to me talking about biscuit, I'll reply to you talking about biscuit, okay? But Nicodemus came talking about talking about um, coming from God, talking about miracles, and Jesus replies to Nicodemus this way. Jesus says, And I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Why did Jesus respond to Nicodemus in such fashion? Why? Because Nicodemus' intention was spewed out by, him, by the words that he spoke. Many times people don't tell you what they want, but when they speak, you can know what they want, all right? This is one of those. He is talking to Jesus, and Jesus already knows what he needs, okay? He is coming with the, with the, with the view that he is a righteous Jew, 
a righteous Pharisee, and that the kingdom that is promised to Israel is his also. And so Jesus comes to him in verse 3. He says, and I, I say unto thee, nobody, nobody, nobody says that, okay? Nobody will say that. Jesus said, I say unto thee. Jesus is God. He is God. And so he's telling him with authority, I say unto thee, ye must be born again. How can these things be? Is the question. Ye must be born again. Ye must be born again. This is God's accepted way. Jesus knew his intentions. He knew that he wanted to talk about the kingdom, but he's just beating around the bush. As a Jew and a scholar, he could be ticking all the boxes that Jesus is the Messiah. And mostly because of the miracles that Jesus did and the promises that God gave because God said, I will set up a kingdom through David. He brings those words in verse 1 and verse 2. See, every Jew, every believing Jew who is looking forward to the kingdom has that ideology about the kingdom. You see, you find that in Acts chapter 1 verse 6, that the, 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 Jesus is trying to, uh, he's talking to the disciples now, he's on the Mount of Olives, he's going to ascend up to heaven, and they're, they're asking him, Jesus, when will the kingdom be? Are you going to bring the kingdom? We've been here with you all the time, and where is the kingdom? You're going to go. It's all about the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. All about the kingdom. But Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, that is God's accepted way. Jesus said in verse 3, Verily, verily, I say, in my Bible, I put an arrow, and to the words I say, I put God speaking. I say, verily, verily, God says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. A statement of qualification. Jesus actually, actually, Nicodemus comes with a couple of balloons, his religious balloons, and Jesus popped them. That's what he did. This is Nicodemus. What? Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can these things be? Everything, his theology was shattered. Whatever notions that he had, Jesus threw them out of the window. His jaw dropped, his mouth wide up when open. He was dumbfounded, standing before Jesus. And with authority, Jesus places God's qualification demand on the kingdom that ye must be born again. You must be born again. There is no other way, Nicodemus. You must stand there. You must be born again. That's the only way to enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus realizes his physical impossibility because Jesus is talking about being born. Of Christ's demand, his utter hopelessness. He is now, it's now dawning in his heart that what thing Jesus is talking about, how can I enter into the kingdom if it's not based on my righteousness. Secondly, we see, this is the explanation, verses 5 to 7. Jesus now expands the qualification demand from verse 3. Verse 5, we read, Jesus answered and said, 
Verily, verily, God is speaking. I say. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, watch carefully the verse 3 and watch carefully verse 5. In verse 3, Jesus says he cannot see the kingdom of God if he, if he doesn't, if he's not born again. In verse 5, he is expanding the thought, but he is saying he cannot enter into the kingdom of God if he's not born of water and of the spirit. There are many misunderstandings and false doctrines that come out from this passage. So I want to deal with that this morning briefly. If the water, born of water, is not talking about baptism. Okay? So the idea for baptism to go to heaven is not there. It's not there. And it's not talking about water as baptism, water baptism, which is the full gospel some people talk about. The idea is not there. Not there. And how that water and the spirit, if one is water baptized, is filled with the spirit, he goes to heaven, the teaching, the idea is not there. All right? But the scripture teaches us this. All right? Context of the verse needs to be supported or needs to support what you and I want to bring out. All right? So water baptism or going to heaven because of the water is not there. So that is thrown away, okay? Scripture must interpret Scripture. So, Jesus, what are you saying? What are you saying? Why should I be born of water? How should I be born of water and of the Spirit? How? How? What are you saying? I cannot understand it. I, how can these things be? Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 to 27 tells us about it. That the water is the word. And it is there to cleanse us and to give us a new heart. Once it cleanses us, the spirit gives a new heart. John chapter 15 and verse 3, the water is the word. And it is the word, water of the word that cleanses the soul that listens to the words. In verse 3, Jesus makes a statement. In verse 5, he explains that statement with the combination of water of the word and the spirit. Water of the word and the spirit. So let's go to verse 6. Verse 6, Jesus makes a statement of distinction. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. All right? So, Nicodemus, let's, let's try to understand this, Nicodemus. So, you're a Jew, you're a Pharisee, you're a leader of the people, you're a righteous man. But I just told you, Nico, that the way to God is through being born again. So, everything that you have done is zero. Everything that you think you are is zero. Because there is a one single qualification, and that is if you are born again. All right? If you are born again. So that which is flesh, your righteousness, your goodness, your works, 
you being a Pharisee, you being a good guy, all that, that which is flesh, is flesh. But that which is spirit, being born again, is spirit. At this point, Nicodemus' mother, in verse 7, she went, you know, this is Nicodemus marveling because of the understanding that dawns in his mind that all he has done is zero, nothing. All he has done doesn't count before God to bring him to the kingdom. It's zero. That's why he's marveling. You see, we flip the coin and we see Jesus twice in the scriptures marvel. Two times Jesus went, Twice, okay? One in Matthew 15, the Canaanite woman. The Canaanite woman was the one that made Jesus go, wow. And also in Luke chapter 7, the Roman centurion made Jesus go, wow. Jesus marveled at these two. And Jesus said, from this, at these two, Jesus told them, he said, I have not seen a faith as such in all of Israel. And these two that Jesus went, wow, were Gentiles. Nicodemus is not giving a wow to Jesus. He himself is going, I've been the best, Jesus. I hang around with Joseph of Arimathea. I hang around with Gamaliel. I'm one of the 70. I, I am the best. I, I should be the best, Jesus. Jesus said, ye must be born again. There is obviously something that this religious guy doesn't understand. The third point is, we see in verse 8, we see how God works. And this is how God works. In verse 8, the Bible reads, The wind bloweth where it listeth. This blowing of the wind is a controlled, purposely blow in a particular direction. So the wind blows where it listeth. Okay, Jesus is speaking. Nicodemus, listen. The wind blows where it listed. So the word, the Greek word for wind is the word pneuma. Pneuma. The Greek word for Holy Spirit is the word pneuma. Pneuma. The wind blows where it listed. The word listed is the word Fellow, fellow. That's the Greek word which, which means determined activity, an active opinion, an intent to go with as one pleases. It's not a subjective impulse or an ad hoc thing, but this wind is blowing to a place where he wants to blow. You get the picture. The wind is blowing. The Spirit of God is moving to the place where he wants to move to. And he's not bound by anything. 
The wind blows where he wants to blow. The wind blows where he wants to go. The Spirit of God blows where he wants to blow. It's a controlled blow purposely in a particular direction. And thou hearest the sound. The Spirit blows as a wind, and thou hearest the sound thereof. The moment you hear the sound of the blowing of the Spirit of God, light shines into your heart, and understanding floods your soul. This is faith. This is faith. See, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. I want you to open there. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man is a triune being. We are predominantly a spirit, soul that lives in a body. When man is unsaved, his spirit is dead. There is no life. There is no interaction with God because he's got a dead spirit. Ephesians 2 and verse 1 tells us, we were dead in trespasses and in sin. He's got to make us alive. That's got to be a living before the spirit makes connection with God. Man is a triune being. So man is a spirit with a soul that lives in a body. The unregenerated man or the unsaved man has a spirit that is dead towards God, dead before God. If that guy is left alone or that woman is left alone being unregenerated, that condition will doom that person to go to hell because he's unregenerated, unsaved, not born again, he will go to hell. So that being born again needs to happen from us inside our heart. Romans 8 verse 8, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Those in the flesh, those that are living are currently as a Christian cannot please God. But more stronger than that, those who are unsaved and not, not born again, all they have done never pleases God. Nicodemus is one of them. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Hebrews 11 verse 6, the Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Nicodemus was in the flesh, was in the natural man, was unsaved. Nicodemus had no faith that pleases God. So everything that he did was zero. Jesus was driving the point home. You must be born again 
from above. It has to be from above. The unsaved, unregenerated man cannot please God. You can't change that, Nicodemus. You must be born again. So what happens? So, Romans 10 and 17, so faith comes by hearing. Listen to the wind, as it blows, where it listed. The wind blows where it listed. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. So the Spirit, as the Word of God is preached, the Spirit takes the Word of God and strikes it into your heart so you can understand. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the Word of God is alive, quick, and it's powerful and it's sharp than any two as a sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and the joints and marrows and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of Nicodemus. God knows your heart. God knows your heart this morning. So the word of God that is sharper pierces through the triune of humanity and goes and cuts right to the spirit. And it's got to give life to the spirit before the spirit responds properly to God and God accepts that response. The word of God cuts through to the soul and the spirit. Your dead spirit is awakened. And God, through the Holy Spirit, places his faith in order for you to place that faith into his son, Jesus Christ. At that moment, you believe your heart. In your heart, you must confess that he is Lord. Confess that you believe in him. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 deals with this process. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, your dead heart, you hear the word of God, it came to your heart, you believe with your heart, the Bible says, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Why? Because at the first place, the word of God was preached and you heard the Spirit blowing through your heart. And realization dawns in you. You begin to understand you need to be saved. You need to be born again. This entire process can take place in an instant, in a few days, or even in months. But it takes place. God deals with you God puts your heart. God knocks on your door. God calls you. You must stand in battle. You must stand in battle. You must be saved. God keeps on reminding you, calling you, calling you. And then you get saved. I love Brother Paul Ali's testimony. God kept on knocking on his heart. God kept on knocking on his heart. We kept on praying. He kept on closing the door. He kept on putting it off. Until the Spirit of God worked in his heart, brought him home. And here he is, a saved man. Amen. Amen. That's how God works, my friends. That is how God works. So the entire process can take place instantly or in a few days. You have no input in this being born again. Did you ever say to your parents at your physical birth, Dad, Mom, I want to be a boy when I was when I'm born? Did you, did you have a choice? Did you say, Mom, Dad, I want to look like you when I'm born? Did you have a choice? 
You had no choice in your physical birth. You had no choice how your nose will be, how your eye will be, how your hair will be, how the skin tone will be. You have no choice at all. Nothing whatsoever. As there is, you have no say in your spiritual birth. None whatsoever. Not your righteousness, not being a Jew, not being a Gamaliel, not being Nicodemus. You have nothing to put to the table. God does the saving. God does it. So we have nothing to contribute. Being born again is entirely God's work. You and I cannot contribute anything to be born again. This truth obliterates entirely man's efforts to good deeds. Obliterates. It just destroys all preconceived ideas that heaven is for those who get baptized. It destroys all of that. It destroys all the ideas that if you keep the Sabbath, you go to heaven. It destroys entirely all that idea. Destroys it. Being born again, going to heaven is God's work. Only God will save you. Only God will save you. You have to listen for the wind that's blowing your way. The wind bloweth where it listed. See, Titus 3 and verse 5. It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing, that's the word again, of regeneration, of being born again, and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. By the word and by the spirit. The spirit takes the word and puts it in your heart. You understand the word. You cry to God for help. See, the word born again is the Greek word, genothe anothen. Genothe anothen literally means might be born from above. Oh, high Christ. Born again. Born again. How King James says born again? It's a been born by the Spirit of God, man has to be born again. Let me read a couple of scriptures. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to, get, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born again by the will of God. See this verse, John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Here, let, let me say this, let me say this. God is speaking to your heart this morning if you're not saved. Sabashina bin Tanimbel, if you haven't been born again, if you haven't been saved, God is knocking on your heart's door this morning. God is knocking. You must turn in bell. You must be saved. You must be saved. You must be saved. You must repent. You must turn in bell. You must be born again. God is knocking. But friends, one day, one day you will not hear that sound again. One day, my friends, the more you reject him, the more you close your door, the more you not heed him, one day that voice will not, will cease to knock on your heart's door. One day. God will not, the Spirit of God will not strive with man forever. 
One day, God will say, I respect your choice of not wanting me. I will therefore leave you alone in your sin. You'll be damned and doomed. God wants you to be saved. And he wants you to be saved this morning. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yes. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's Christ in me. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Romans 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What happened to Nicodemus? It doesn't say in this passage. What happened to Nicodemus? Nicodemus had a changed life. He was born again. He was regenerated. I mean, turning bell. God, through the message, pierced his heart, and Nicodemus became born again. He believed in the message that God gave to him. See, Nicodemus in John chapter 7, when all the Sanhedrin were against Jesus, he stood up and defended Jesus. John chapter 7, you go read it. John 7 verse 50 to 52. Nicodemus speaks on behalf of Jesus. And they say, are you one of them? Are you one of them? Something is happening in his, in his heart, in his life. There is a change, so to speak. John chapter 19, we see Nicodemus as Jesus' life, lifeless body is hanging on the cross. The man who he went and spoke to at night is now hanging on the cross. The man who he went and defended is now hanging on the cross, lifeless. We see two members of the Sanhedrin, two statesmen, take the body of Jesus down from the cross and clean it. And Joseph of Arimathea carries the 70 kg weight, dead weight of the Lord's body. And what did Nicodemus carry? 30 kilograms of perfume for the burial. The cost for those perfumes that he was carrying was about 200,000 kina in our, in, our, in, our, in our money. 200,000 kina worth of perfumes the man called Nicodemus carried so that he can bury his Lord. What happened to Nicodemus? What happened? He got born again. He got saved. He believed in the one the one to whom he could spend all he had to bury him. This man was born again. He was born again. See, that's why Jesus could tell him. He said, John, Nicodemus, that is the reason why God knew this. 
That is why he was so compassionate. Just like in the wilderness, just like Numbers 21, he showed his compassion. He knew that man cannot enter into the kingdom. He knew that man cannot go into heaven. He knew that. Cannot be. It, there is no way. No way. God knows it. That's why in his compassion, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Being born again is a life that is changed from heaven. By heaven, a man becomes a new creature. All is bowed and all I closed this morning. All is bowed and all I closed. As you are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to draw this to the conclusion. Nicodemus is a sinner, a natural sinner, unfit for the kingdom of God. Though he is a religious leader, though he has everything under the sun, he's unfit for the kingdom. Nicodemus needed to be born again. He needed to be saved. He needed to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He needed to have a change in his heart. And a change will only come through God, through God's way, through God's way. See, for God so loved the world. God loved you. God knows that man cannot have eternal life, but through Jesus. God knows that man cannot see the kingdom of God, enter the kingdom of God, but being born again. That is why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My friends, this morning, I'm going to give you an invitation. Do you want to be born again this morning? Do you want to be saved this morning? Do you want to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior this morning? You have heard with your ears and the Spirit of God has taken the words and have cut your heart. He has done that many times, but you have hardened your heart. Maybe this morning is the best time for you to put your hands up and say, Brother Eric, I want to be saved. Me like Tony Bell. I want to be born again. I want to be saved this morning. You just put your hands up. I will get someone to speak to you this morning. Say, Brother Eric, I want to be born again. I want to be saved this morning. Because the Spirit of God is knocking. It's warning you. It's speaking to your heart for salvation. One day he will stop doing that. One day. By placing your hands up, you can indicate that I want to be saved. I can have someone speak to you. A man, a woman, a boy or a girl. Suppose you understand him, Mr. Tok Tok. Awesome, you need to turn him bell. You must turn him bell. If you need to speak to us afterwards, we can do that. 
As a saved, born-again Christian, let us take the words of our Lord and give to those around us, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our community, and those around us. They need to see Christ in our lives. We will pray and we will be dismissed. After I pray, I want the guys to come up and we will collect our missions offering. And then um, after missions offering, we will, we will pray and then be dismissed. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we are so full and thankful for your word this morning. Dear Lord, many times we find it difficult to share you with people. Lord, give us grace. Help us. Many times we have that fear because we don't know what to say. Help us, teach us. Help us to read your word and understand your word. That, Lord, man must be born again. He must have Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but by me. He is the way. Thank you, Lord, for this audience this morning. May you bless each and every one of us. And as we move to our Sunday school classes, our, our life groups, may you be with us. Lord, I commit um, the offering that we're going to take this morning for the missions. May you bless the offering. And Lord, the work that we support, may your kingdom be extended. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.